You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Um, you know, it it uh, I'm, I'm super lucky. Uh, my my first year in Alaska, uh, I had had been guiding in the early nineties at this lodge on the Grand Ron. This guy had kind of a house turned into a lodge. And I, I met Deck Hogan about 1991, and we guided in the fall on the Grand Ron together. And then uh, I remember him telling me, you know, hey, you should come up and work at Katmai Lodge. And I eventually I did um, spend a few years up there. But my first year, uh, Deck Hogan and Ed Ward were my uh, next door neighbors. Uh, Scott O'Donnell was my roommate. Uh, Jerry French was a, a, a a rookie guide that year with me and um had, i had all these great fly tires and steelhead dudes and spay guys that you know we just got the spay rods that year too i think 92 uh sage gave everybody at the lodge a uh, seven and a nine weight that's all they made <laughs> so uh, we we're, we're oh man we were cutting up lines we were taking double tapered 12s and cutting these big heads you know which is kind of was the sort of the start of that whole wind cutter with Rio back in the day. Jim Vincent, you know, came up and saw what we were doing with our lines. And then he kind of, you know, followed suit and, and started. But as far as tying goes, yeah, I'd sit there um, <clears throat> after we got done with our clients and dinner, everybody would go in and, and uh, have a shot of scotch or something and everybody would be tying flies. And, you know, I kind of got to see the birth of uh, Ed Ward's intruder and, you know, Jerry French and Decker and Scott are just amazing fly tires. And so I just kind of sponged off them <laughs> for, for a couple of years and fished with them and, you know, hung out with them. And uh, that's really where my fly tying, I think, really took off. And I started really getting into tying the steelhead flies. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Hey everyone, this is Nate from theflycrate.com. I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the podcast and want to let you know about our new membership option called the Mix and Match subscription. This is for people who don't want us to hand curate a selection of flies for you, but you would rather choose 100% of what you receive each and every month. For $19.95 a month, you will receive $30 of the Fly Crate store credit. But this is a great way to pick exactly what you want and save money on the Fly Crate without having to worry about the commitment. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. We are going to take you to the Pacific Northwest today, just a hop, skip, and a jump from where I'm at. And we're going to talk all things steelhead, trout, bonefish, bass, much more guiding, tying, spay casting. We've got Troy Detman on the line from Grand Ron Angler, 30 years experience of uh, fishing the Pacific Northwest, beautiful place in the world, and lots of great fishing. Troy, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate being on it. Uh, this is this is great. So, uh, hey, we'll get into your business, your guiding, and kind of where your where your passion comes from. Um, I always like to start the show off and and just kind of hit the rewind button and just kind of figure out where did fly fishing start for you, Troy? Uh, walk us through that journey. How did you f- kind of come to discover it? Huh. Yeah, that's that's actually that's a good question. I I, I usually refer back to my youth when I uh, I grew up in Colorado and um, we did a lot of fishing as a family, a lot of camping and fishing and that kind of stuff. We were uh, five kids, and uh, I think I think one of my uncles left one of his old bamboo rods and and a wind up fly reel in our garage or in our in our trailer or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of kind of intrigued me. I just I wanted to try it, and and uh, that was the first time I really, you know, tried to fly cast or do anything. Uh, was was on those those camping trips usually, or out in the backyard or something like that. I, I whipped my face more than I I think I caught any fish. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> That's honest. <laughs> so so you're out of Paulsville, Washington now. Tell me about 
a little bit of your kind of day-to-day? Because I know the fly fishing that you're doing and the guiding that you're doing is pretty pretty diverse. But um, what kind of fishing are you, what kind of fish are you chasing? Walk us through your area a little bit. Well, you know, it's, um, it's a program that I've kind of uh, came up with that just really just keeps me busy and, and, and kind of fishing the best part of different fisheries you know, at the peak time. And uh, my typical days around here, I do a lot of uh, beach fishing for sea-run cutthroat. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's a nice target to uh, go after around the beaches of Paulsville, Washington, and Kitsap County, uh, Seattle, for that matter. Uh, there's a lot of public access, and it's open year-round. Um, and it's, you know, it's the fishery right outside my front door. So it seems like I fished that one quite a bit. Um, but, um, I, I do definitely have the peak times for that. Uh, the fall seems to be one of my favorite times to fish the sea run cutthroat from now until say, you know, almost middle of December. Um, it seems like it's really productive. Troy, is that namely, uh, you know, a walk and wade kind of find out where kind of the little creeks and rivers are coming in or how does that Yeah. Work? Yeah. You know, it is, um, at least, at least for us, uh, I I have several spots that I uh, have access to that aren't necessarily public access, but there's there's just a ton of beaches and access uh, that people can get, uh, and it's a walk and wade fishery. So it, you know anybody can do it. You don't need a boat. You don't need all that extra gear. Uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes in in my boat, which I have one, but a lot of times you fish an area and you're kind of you're kind of stuck in that area. Um, logistically speaking, you know, gas and time and that kind of stuff. Whereas if you're on foot or you're in, in the rig, we can drive from hood canal to, you know, different spots in, in, uh, in the Puget sound in one day pretty easily. And so it seems like on foot or with a car or whatever, you can, you can cover a lot more beaches that way. So it's, unless you're really dialed in on the fish locally, you, you know, then you can target those, a boat's really great, but uh, if if they're not there for some reason, the tide's funny, or there's you know, grass or whatever in the in the in the water, making it uh, kind of hard to cast. It's pretty nice mm-hmm. to have a way to get away and go hit another couple spots and find them. So, well, that those sea run cutties uh, look like a lot of fun. I've done a little bit of that myself, uh, kind of um, lower mainland of British Columbia, kind of. Um, you yeah. know, parts of the Fraser and, um, some of those, uh, I'd say on the Island too, even some of the, uh, kind of estuaries and whatnot. And what, what types of patterns are you throwing? Walk us through that journey a little bit. So, um, talk to sure. me about fly selection for these sea run, uh, kind of beach cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Um, I would say it's, uh, it's primarily I throw, a lot of surface poppers and wounded bait fish popper type things on the surface. And, um, I just skitter them across the surface. Um, and that seems to really attract the fish. Uh, you know, they're, they're really keyed into their environment. And if they see a wounded bait fish skittering across the surface, they're going to come up and attack it. Um, and, um, that's one of the ways I go. And if I, if I throw that for quite a while, and I don't see anything. Uh, don't get any bites on it or any chases. I'll switch over to a uh, uh, a, a clear intermediate line or a tip, uh, like a ten foot tip, and I'll throw mm-hmm. uh, sculpins. Um, seem to work really well in the saltwater uh, variety of olive, but kind of kind of uh, tan colored sculpin um, and subsurface patterns. Also, like small shrimp. We've, we've got a lot of. Uh, uh, what are those guys called? Uh, they're big uh, uh, spot tail shrimp, and not that like those are really spot prawns. Yeah. yeah, spot prawns. Yeah. Not that those are like up on the surface or in shallow water, but uh, they're shrimp in all stages of their life. So I throw some shrimp patterns. I throw some, uh, like I said, sculpin and some bait fish patterns. It seems like real small variations on a clouser minnow um, always tend to work pretty well. Uh, like a pink and white little sparse clouser, maybe like on a number six hook. Um, okay. And that seems to work pretty well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I guess we're coming into your kind of sweet spot for for that type of fishing about now. Now we're you and I are. I should uh, probably preface this by saying you and I are chatting in early September of 2020. So are we kind of yeah. coming into the zone now, Troy? You know, we. I've got I've got all kinds of issues. <laughs> I'm an archery hunter, and and you know the great uh, cutthroat trout fishing is just starting, um, and also fall steelhead is starting and so it's, it's a <laughs> tough time for problems. me <laughs> i've i've got every rod and every hat and <laughs> everything else you can think of in the truck right now um you know what yeah, that sounds yeah. like a pretty good problem to have yeah it is yeah it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but i i know that feeling that's funny <laughs> uh it's good it's good stuff um yeah and then bird season's starting as well so up in bird hunting i I enjoy that as well, but uh, so you know, it's it's part of the original question. I think maybe about different different things that I do fish. Is this gets good? And like I said, it gets good through about mid December. Um, mm. But I take off uh, mid September through the month of October and and head down to the Grand Ronde River in Southeast Washington to do my uh, three day two night float trips. Um, right. Let's so, talk yeah, about those but, a little bit. That sound that you got my interest <laughs> on that. I I've seen some beautiful pics you have of some amazing looking steelhead out of that system. Oh, Tell thanks. us about the Grand Ronde. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, uh, it's the name of my business, Grand Ronde Angler. Uh, I actually had a little bit of an ownership and fly shop with another gentleman in Northeast Oregon called the Grand Ronde Angler back in 1990. And, uh, and so that's the, that's the river I kind of cut my teeth on and, um, catching steelhead and, and, uh, really getting into the sport. Um, so yeah, it's been 30 years and I've done, I don't think I've missed a season in 30 years down there. Um, but one thing I love about it, uh, I, you know, fished the Deschutes and had a John Day permit for 20 years that I ran down there and it was fall steelhead and whatnot, but thing about the grand ron is just the, the sheer beauty of that canyon down there it's just it's just it's amazing um and to be able to work in that place and then the other draw of course the steel had to come back to the grand ron spend a year or two in the river um some people even say three or four years as juveniles uh are small and they really they get they get really trouty and they eat a lot of bugs and they eat insects and you know, for, for their, their trout. And then one day they decide, no, I'm a steelhead. And, you know, two to three years later, they're back and they are super, super trouty, which means they're really um, surface oriented. And mm-hmm. uh, our our whole program down there until the water temperatures get too cold is just dry line steelhead fishing and skating flies and, oh. um, you know, going, going back to a mist. Maybe you got a big boil or whatever and changing flies to you know, maybe a little subsurface, tiny little green, butt, but, um, it's just, it's just magical. It's, it's a easy river to, uh, to control, to, to cast into where you need to, you know, basically with a two handed rod, a six weight, you, you can control that river. And I mean, by control, like you can step into a run and cast exactly where it's effective and then, mm-hmm. you know, have covered the entire run. It's that size of a, it's like a mini Deschutes River, sort of, in a lot of ways. Sounds amazing, but, uh, because, uh, I mean, steelhead on a dry is not, it's not a common occurrence in a lot of systems. No, no. You know, we, uh, we I fished for 30 years now, plus, for steelhead, and most of them, I can tell you, the conditions are cold, and I'm fishing a sink tip, and, you know, we're hucking a, uh, a big fly, and, you know, we're all bundled up, and, and this thing in the fall, it's still really warm, mild temperatures down there, which make it just make it really nice for camping. Um, mm-hmm. And then about, I think it's the fifth or sixth of October, um, chucker season opens, and uh, I encourage guys that like to bird hunt to bring a twenty gauge with them. And uh, if they've got a bird dog, they're more than welcome to hunt the benches of, of uh, public lands, you know, on their own. And, uh, some guys just really enjoy, you know, fishing in the mornings and the evenings and then doing a little bird hunting in the afternoon. And we call yeah. that the casting blast. <laughs> well, that's, that's like <laughs> that's a double right. header. That's like a, 
a, almost a grand slam. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. I, we, we get a few chuckers around here, and uh, they love that kind of country, that wide open kind of rolling kind of hills and, and kind of um, little gullies, and I can yeah, imagine that yeah. being a lot of fun. Yeah, they... Uh... It's it's limiting though. There's there's some canyony parts through that that uh, that run that I've had. Uh, gosh, I've had professional athletes on trips and they do a little bird hunt and they come back and they're like, "Holy crap, <laughs> you know, that was some tough walking," you know. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of times they're right next to the river, which makes it pretty easy, pretty ideal. Yeah, it sounds pretty good to me. So before yeah. we get more into, Troy, before we get more into your business and your sure. fly fishing experience, I want to get to know you a little bit outside of the water. Are you ready for a few kind of quick fire questions? Sure. All right. Um, talk to me about what you listen to when you're on your way to the water. So if you're if you're in your truck and you're driving to, say, the Grand <laughs> Ronde, or you're, what kind of tunes you got on, if anything? What are you listening to? Oh, that's funny. That's a great question, though. I think um, I uh, I really like this band. And I want to say they're out of Texas. Called they're called the Gourds. Yeah, and they're just they're just really great old hillbilly music. Sure, <laughs> that's just super fun. And then I was lucky enough to uh, to uh, guide and uh, and then uh, kind of forge a relationship with uh, one of the members of the String Dusters, and they are a uh-huh. Uh, bluegrass band that won a Emmy Award a couple years ago yep. for the best bluegrass album. And uh, so that's been really cool. Um, Panda, everybody calls him Panda, but he's their uh, banjo player. So usually I have either a mixed bunch of uh, their music playing, you know, that kind of stuff, or maybe some old Grateful Dead or or just, you know, kind of that. I'm, I'm 55, so... I'm kind of stuck in that eighties music that I wasn't real thrilled with, but it seems like bluegrass <laughs> and that, that country music kind of has got me more. <laughs> That's my road trip music now. Anyhow. But, I know yeah. what you mean though. Like I, I, you and I are similar age and that, that eighties stuff, you either, some of it you loved and some of it is like, man, what was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, if you are, say you're a little further north and you're on the Metau or the Yakima, because I know you do a lot of trips there, talk uh-huh. to me about favorite fly patterns. If you had one favorite fly pattern to fish the Metau or the Yakima, what would you reach to more often than not in your fly box? Well, I'll tell you, that's an easy answer for me. There has been a fly the last probably four seasons uh, on both of those uh, rivers. And, uh, it's called, a, uh, it's a Royal Gypsy King and, okay. uh, they make the Gypsy King. So it's a, an attractor pattern. It's uh four rubber legs, hackle rubber, and a big hair wing on the back. Uh, and then the belly's kind of that green and red, like a Royal Coachman or something. Okay. Is it foam? Yeah. It's, well, it's partly yeah. foam. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that fly, um, uh, with a little, with a little wiggle when you pound it against the banks or rocks or something and kind of wiggle it off, uh, off your target. But I tell you, it, it has just been, hmm. you know, I don't know. I, I, I put on other poppers and smaller patterns and, you know, I changed the size quite a bit, but, uh, the Royal Gypsy King, that thing has been amazing. I got to look that up. I, I don't know that pattern specifically, but oh, I, you just, when you verbally, <laughs> maybe no, maybe no, I will. But it reminds me of something that we use called a club sandwich, which is, uh, it's actually pink and brown foam, but it's got the rubber legs and it kind of could be a hopper. It could be a stone fly. God knows what it could be, but it, yeah, trout like it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you and I probably fish the same, you know, a tractor bug was the first one I threw like that was a Chernobyl yeah, and a yeah. uh, big black Chernobyl. And, you know, shoot, I had great times on that. And then it's just kind of progressed to, you know, club sandwiches. And like you said, and, and this, uh, this, uh, gypsy King is just, and I don't know. So when you're, when you're not on the water and you're in around, uh, you know, your home, home area of Paul's, Paul's mm-hmm. Bowl, Washington, where do you go to talk fly fishing? Like, is there a fly shop, a coffee shop, a, a local pub, 
uh, you know, a brew pub, somewhere you go to get your fix when you're not in your waiters? Yeah, you know, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I have a lot of friends uh, between here and Danger Island and Fallsbow and Silverdale and kind of the area. And um, most of us will go to just a one or two little two little bars. Uh, one was the Kraken over here in Fallsbow. Uh, it's like the the Kraken. It's the name of our new hockey team, even. Uh, so <laughs> we've got the we've got the Kraken uh, pub, and then uh, we've got a nice little pub on the island, uh, the Harbor Pub. And um, I have some friends and uh, clients that, you know, we just run into each other there kind of a lot. Um, and, and, you know, some of these guys, they've, they've fished that uh, Kola Peninsula and up in Russia and, you know, the Kamchatka. And, uh, they've fished and traveled more than I have. So uh, it's always fun to meet up with those guys. Uh, it's even more fun when I'm somewhere else, like when it used to be the Thompson when it was open. <laughs> we'd meet up there just by accident. I'm like, damn, I see you everywhere. <laughs> you used to fish. You used to fish the Thompson River. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, not that far was... from where I'm at, and I've fished it for steelhead a few times. Not with a lot of luck, mind you, but uh, man, there, there used to be some big fish in there. Yeah, I my uh, one of my guides that works for me, Eric Leninger. Leninger, he is uh, out of Portland, but he's got a picture of, like I. It looks like it's twenty. 224 just a big beautiful you know buck uh yeah uh, just i i saw yeah. a fish come out of the water standing in that river just outside of spence's bridge one time i've i i still dream about that fish and uh <laughs> it's just kind of laughing at me but um <laughs> well you were just mentioning about cracking okay so let's talk sports now i know you guys have a, a an nhl hockey club coming in the works are you a yeah. Seahawks guy, Huskies, Cougars, Mariners? Where do you get your fix in sports? Well, you know, when it was available, um, I, we could just take a ferry boat ride across the water into downtown Seattle and walk to a Mariners game or a Seahawks game. Um, so I'm, I'm a fan of that. Um, uh, love watching the Seahawks, but I think I'd rather watch them at home. Just it's a it's a better experience for me and, you know, being mm-hmm. there, you miss a lot of the game for some reason. It's just kind yeah. of out of focus or whatever. But, uh, the Mariners, oh, I love my, my son's 22, but he and I'd go over and we'd get a six pack of tickets every summer and go to a few good Mariners games. And that, that just is fun. That's just a nice, yeah, really nice outside experience. So I kind of follow those and I'll follow this hockey team, um, as well. Although, uh, you know, I just I, I just never grew up with hockey, so it's it's all new mm-hmm. to me. But I'm excited. Now, yeah, I've been down your neck of the woods, watched some uh, Seattle uh, Thunderbirds and uh, uh, Silver Tips games. Uh, that's a good rivalry. Yeah, too. yeah. But uh, I'm hoping that the Canucks and and Kraken uh, will kind of strike up a good rivalry. It's a pretty pretty close <laughs> road trip. Yeah, Should that's gonna be good. Yeah, for sure. And I know you, the ball game, I mean, you get to Safeco and it's a pretty chill experience, isn't it? I mean, let's just hope we can get back to those things pretty soon. Cause <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's, uh, it's a different world right now. What's the biggest lesson that you'd learned on your fly fishing journey? If you had to kind of distill a takeaway down to, okay, this is what I have found from the sport or what it brings to my life. Could, could you do that for us? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put it to you like this, I guess. I, um, you know, 30 years of this and, and you end up really being able to deal with a lot of personalities of different people and, and some, you know, you just let them develop, you just let it grow or whatever. And some people, you know, they're, they've got, they definitely have their own, you know, uh, view and everybody should and that's what's great uh but gosh you know i just this summer i had uh i had a principal from the local school here and he brought his nine-year-old daughter and got her little bright kink and something little fly rod reddington or echo and um and i i gotta tell you it was just the, the day with a with a kid or a new fisherman or woman in the boat with you versus a couple really uh really good solid clients it's just so different and there's something so nice about pulling over and letting them go swim and 
you know, a whole much more of the day or, you know, explain a little entomology to a nine-year-old girl and she's picking up bugs and opening mm-hmm. up, you know, periwinkles, caddis flies. And she's kind of, you can see her doing it. And by the end of the day, she caught three trout out of the boat all on her own. And <laughs> you should have heard, I mean, just the sheer joy and, and the pleasure she was having. And her dad was so happy. He's just like, oh, you know, my now I've got a fishing buddy. Um, but that experience for, you know, dads and daughters or, you know, whatever, I just love that experience where people, um, whether they catch fish or not, you know, they just have a great day and they just enjoy the hell out of it. And they're just so happy to be in the boat. That's, you know, that's the thing I think I could take away. I just love, you know, doing my job and, and, and turning people on to that kind of, you know, happiness, especially right now when you can get out in the boat with me and, get the hell out of the house and yeah you know such breathe a, so yeah. such a good such a good release such an amazing place to be and i know what you mean when you get somebody yeah. when you get somebody that's new to the sport or the pastime it's pretty cool because the, the enthusiasm everything's <laughs> new and yeah. that's just a different type of fishing experience you know it's not so you know when you deal like i'm sure you deal with a lot of clients that are pretty hardcore into the fly yeah. fishing and it's a little more serious, but sometimes it's probably nice as I would imagine being a guide to kind of sit back and just watch somebody enjoy their time on the water and however, yeah. however it looks. Yeah. You know, and that's, that was the thing. I had several, several kids, uh, this, this summer and you know, I'd shoot, I'd just pull over it was 90 degrees. I just pull over in a nice sandy spot and we'd all get out and swim. And I'm like, you know, you know, Jim and Joe didn't do this with me for the last three days. They were just like, oh, shit, you know, I missed another one. Ah, shit, I missed another <laughs> You know, whatever. I'm like, oh, look, there's a moose. And he's like, oh, I just missed another one. It's like, no, 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 you know. I don't know. It's just, it's so nice. Yeah. It's just, there's so much, uh, there's so much to offer uh, just floating the river. It's so great. That's really well put. I want yeah. you to fill well, in the you. blank. Fill in the blank for me, sure. Troy. When, when I'm not fishing, I'm usually doing what? Uh, I would say probably golfing with my son. Okay. Cool. Yeah. How's, how's your golf to. game? How's your golf oh, it game? It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty. He, he and I, we, we both shoot. If we can shoot around a hundred, we're having fun, but it's just the opportunity, right. To, uh, yeah. to get out with my son because as a guide, you're gone a lot. And mm-hmm. so coming home and having, you know, however many days a year I have off, uh, yeah, I try to eat them up with my son. Try to, you know, we shoot a little trap and we, we play golf. But yeah, our golf Who's, is terrible, but damn, we have fun. There's probably a couple cold ones and, and, and probably some bragging <laughs> rights on the on the long drives, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, you know, once I think we both hit like a 90, mid 90s already this summer, which we were, we were just, we were so stoked. <laughs> well that's it, it you know fly fishing and golf i talk to a lot of people at fly fish that also golf and there are believe it or not i think there's some sim- similarities because it, it's all about your personal best you know what i mean you can fly fish yeah. with anybody you can golf with anybody but it, it doesn't mean you, you're really good at it you're wherever you are at that point in the sport but uh it's also i think you know getting outside and just kind of taking yeah. the mind off some things right yeah, exactly. That's those two, those two sports really parallel, which I think all sports do. I think, you know, if people are, you know, feeling shitty or whatever. And, you know, these days, anyhow, you know, go shoot some baskets out in the driveway or hit a mm-hmm. tennis ball or, or go hit some golf balls, whatever. Just that kind of, that kind of stuff, just that kind of physical activity just really keeps your mind, you know, that, like you said, the great thing about fly fishing uh, you know, you just eat up the whole day. And I think they're the fastest days of my life, you know, when you guide and, and, and whatnot, it just, it's over like that, you know, trips are and days are and like, oh. I think that's, oh, you know, when day. you, when you really love something, that's, that to me is kind of the, the, the way you measure it. The days just disappear. Yeah. Uh. yeah. What's the best yeah. job you've ever had? I just, Actually, hold on. Before I ask you that question, let you think about that. But you, you just hit on something that I just, I was driving home from work the other day and, uh, you know, um, little league ball, for instance, a lot of that stuff wasn't happening, but the other day they were practicing and I drove by a ball diamond and it just felt like, okay, <laughs> I need, I needed to see Finally. that. 
Yeah. 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 I, I, I would have probably pulled over and just like been, oh, <laughs> yeah. how well, normal. Uh, exactly. And it's funny. Yeah. It's the little things that you take for granted, certain sounds. And uh, yeah, anyway, it just kind of struck me as odd. No, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. What's yeah. the best job you've ever had? Are you living your dream job right now? Or is it something, Troy, you might have done in the past? You know, you know, I've had jobs. I've had. So, yeah, I was a whitewater guide for a while in Idaho, mainly. Uh, about three years of that. And that was really fun. That was really cool. Uh, guided up in Alaska. That was amazing. Um, yeah, it's just my life, I guess. I just, I never gave it up. I, I, I've done this since I was, you know, shoot, 22. Um, but before that I had some shitty jobs. I worked in a cannery, you know, uh, up in Valdez, Alaska, uh, drove an old shitty Volkswagen bus up there took me like two weeks to get there. And then, and then I hitchhiked at the end of the year, I hitchhiked home back from down to uh, Portland. Um, which was, uh, <laughs> that's that a book actually, like a, that summer is a book. That sounds <laughs> like a journey from hell. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, working in a cannery makes you, it, it, it's like every morning I just spread my legs apart and had this one guy just kick me in the balls as hard as he could. That's how I started each day at work. At least that's how I felt like I should start each day at work. I really didn't, but I was just like, you know, God, this is just so fucking bad. Uh, so every job after that's been like <laughs> the best job I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but the guiding for sure, the guiding is, is great. I owned a fly shops, uh, for about 17 years and, you know, that's just retail. Um, that's not nearly as good as guiding and being outside with people and, you know, just mm-hmm. sharing what your passion is, you know? So, yeah. Guiding, guiding, job. Let me let me ask you this: how how do you keep it fresh after so many years of being in the business? And you actually, you're you're kind of coming at it from a somewhat unique point of view because it sounds like you've kind of ran the the gauntlet of all kind of lots of different jobs within fly fishing yeah. industry. So you can probably speak to yeah. this as well as anybody. How do you keep it fresh, and how do you kind of not overdose on any one thing? Is there a trick to that? There is, uh, there is, it's, it's on my website. <laughs> I, I do trips in Alaska. I do trips in the Yucatan. I do trips on the Metau river. I do trips on the Yakima river. I do trips on the Olympic peninsula. Um, I guide saltwater. Um, and so just that freshness of location, um, keeps me, keeps me going at it. And I get just enough of the best of those places that it keeps me really hungry to keep doing it or keep going back. So mm. I think I knew that about myself. Like I couldn't, I couldn't live on the Madison river and be a Madison fishing guide for 30 years. I just couldn't, I think I'd go crazy. Um, even with new clients and stuff like that, I just think the, the repetitiveness of one place would make me crazy. Um, so yeah. So mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've made a business for myself that I travel and, and, uh, and I've spent 20 plus years in all the locations, uh, you know, really figuring them out. And, 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 uh, and, I, and that's what I think that's what does it for me. It sounds to me, too, like with your guiding business, uh, you really have you got a lot of diversification in kind of a small area. I mean, you can go out, like you say, you can go out your backyard, basically, and uh, kind I know. throw a line for great? some sea run. Yeah, and then and yeah. then you're going you're going places where you know you've had success and you know you like you talk about the uh, the Grand Ronde River. It sounds like the steelhead is amazing, and then you go a little further north. You're hitting the Matau and the Yakima. I mean, tell us about the yeah. diversity of of fishing in your neck of the woods. Well, you know, there, here's the thing: um, the diversity of fishing in our neck of the woods is so crazy that our our fishing regulations and pamphlet book. It looks like a, a small dictionary. It's, <laughs> it's so diverse. So, yeah. And I'm not talking necessarily about fly fishing because right. We, we've got crabbing and shrimping and, you know, all that kind of stuff in Puget Sound. We've got steelhead rivers on the peninsula. It's some of the biggest steelhead around, at least in the lower 48. Um, <clears throat> and then we have this amazing trout fishery on the Eastern side of the um, mountains where it's drier and, 
more like Montana, more like where you're up in the Okanagan. Um, and then, uh, and then there's also really great bass fisheries over, over in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. A lot of smallmouth bass in the Columbia river and, and, uh, and there's some really great spring creeks in the state of Washington that I just kind of keep to myself. Um, <laughs> that, you know, offer another, that offer another type of fishing, right? Um, yeah, you know, that's good yeah, stuff. A, and keep it yeah. to yourself. Cause that's one thing, just so you know, on this show, <laughs> I, I a hundred percent support, especially with all the social media and stuff, but the, the systems that you're hitting are, are well known. So when we're talking about the Metau, yeah. which I pass yeah. all the time, by the way, and I've never fished it because we go down yeah. through, um, Wenatchee a fair bit and, and, uh, oh. and, and up and I forget the name of that pass. Shoot. Not coming to me now, but into the Seattle area. Um, obviously oh, yeah. not doing it right now, but, um, right. Right. talk to me about that fishery in there because it, you've got some beautiful kind of freestone, small streams, yeah. small rivers, and man, that dry fly bit fishing is pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, it is, it's, a. Uh... It's 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 a it's an interesting river. Um, it's an interesting river. They 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 have uh, protections there uh, are in place for uh, salmon and steelhead uh, uh, that they get up that Columbia River tributary, and so a lot of it's closed throughout the year uh, to protect those fish. But in the summer, the trout fishery is pretty viable, and uh, not a lot of people fish it. Um, but it's completely a freestone river. You know, it's coming out of snowpack. Uh, mm-hmm. a couple in a couple of years in the last decade um I, you know, I saw the river drop below 500 cfs and that's kind of when i quit guiding it just because the water temperatures get too warm in my opinion um sure. and, and then you get these huge flats where you just really can't make your boat get your boat through there without just dragging it oh you um, know i have the exact same issues on the systems up here it's like your window is small yeah 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 exactly and you, just, yeah. you know what? I, I, I sparked you when I said drag it across the big flat gravel bar, didn't I? Oh, <laughs> when like, you said that, like, I'm thinking, like, I, I'll float 10, 10, miles, <laughs> 10 miles of the Smilkameen River. My back's pretty sore after. <laughs> a lot of times you got to actually stand up and walk your boat. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And like you say, the water temperature, once that water temperature, because we're talking a similar kind of arid area where, you know, it, it gets sure. up in the low hundreds. And, and, uh, geez, when those, when those flows are, are low, uh, really it's, uh, it's the last place. So I, I kind of look for the Alpine around then. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and that's why when my, my summer, I bounced from June, May and June on the Yakima and then late June, July, when I head to the Metau, that river system's dropping into shape and I mean, below 2000. Um, so you've got a window there, but it's funny because the Yakima, which is a, uh, irrigation based, basically river, uh, Bureau of Reclamation holds, you know, these huge reservoirs, it releases its water flows for the summer and the irrigation about the time I go up to the Metal to catch the last of the drop. It's, it's kind of weird. It's like, when's the opposite? And then I go back to the Yakima in August when, the Metau's too hot and low, and, and you know, the Yakima's still flowing 3,000 CFS, and the water's cold, and, and the fishing's good. But, uh, so but I'm sure that's, out that. that's what probably makes a successful guiding business, though. 30 years' experience, you know that. You know, hey, I yeah. don't want to be here this. I got this month down here. I'm on the Grand Ronde then. I'm on this. You know, yeah. and I'm sure your clients benefit from, from that knowledge. Yeah, well, I, I think so, too, and... That's exactly what I have done, and and I try to do that with you know just everywhere I go. I try to really horn in on that, or horn in, hone in on that, that uh, those best weeks or that that best month or or whatever. So that's what gives me, yeah, pretty good success. We're chatting today with Troy Detman of Grand Ronde Angler, thirty years experience guiding in the Pacific Northwest. We're talking uh, steelhead trout. Bass even does some bonefish and goes up to Alaska, does a Yucatan, um, the Metal, Yakima, Sea Run Cutties, uh, Steelhead on the Grand Ron. Um, and I know also, let's talk about, you also do some um, tying demos. So talk to me about fly tying. How, how, how big of a part in your life is fly tying? Um, you know, it, it, 
I'm, I'm super lucky. Uh, my, my first year in Alaska, uh, I had, had been guiding in the early nineties at this lodge on the Grand Ron. This guy had kind of a house turned into a lodge and I, I met Deck Hogan about 1991 and mm-hmm. we guided in the fall on the Grand Ron together. And then uh, I remember him telling me, you know, Hey, you should come up and work at Katmai Lodge. And I eventually I did um, spend a few years up there, but my first year, uh, Deck Hogan and Ed Ward were my uh, next door neighbors. Uh, Scott mm-hmm. O'Donnell was my roommate. Uh, Jerry French was a, 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 a rookie guide that year with me. And uh, wow. had, I had all these great fly tires and steelhead dudes and, Spay guys that, you know, we just got the spay rods that year too. I think 92, uh, Sage gave everybody at the lodge, a, uh, seven and a nine weight. That's all they made. <laughs> so, Imagine uh, we were, that. We, oh man, we were cutting up lines. We were taking double tapered twelves and cutting these big heads, you know, which is kind of was the sort of the start of that whole wind cutter with Rio back in the day, Jim Vincent, you know, came up and saw what we were doing with our lines and then he kind of, you know, followed suit and, and started. But as far as tying goes, yeah, I'd sit there um, <clears throat> after we got done with our clients and dinner. Everybody would go in and, and uh, have a shot of scotch or something, and everybody would be tying flies. And, you know, I kind of got to see the birth of uh, Ed Ward's intruder. And, you know, Jerry French and Decker and Scott are just amazing fly tires. And so I just kind of sponged off them <laughs> for, for a couple of years and fished with them and, you know, hung out with them. And, uh, that's really where my fly time, I think really took off. And I started really getting into tying the steelhead flies. Those are some pretty, pretty mean influences there. I mean, that's, that's Isn't that uh, crazy. That's a deep well. Hey, you, you know, uh, here's a deeper one. The, the guy that was guiding with deck Hogan and I, that first year was, uh, Bill Miller. Sorry. Say again, you broke up. Well, it was, oh, sorry. Name? His name was Bill McMillan. Okay. He was he was doing uh, clinics, steelhead clinics, in the early '90s with Deck and I, and, and Bill had written a book called Dry Line Steelhead Fishing and other subjects. So he was kind of super influenced too in my in my fly tying and casting and stuff for sure. So I, hmm. I, I couldn't believe how lucky I got. Yeah, no, and that's speak speak to me a little bit about that how important is it to have kind of a mentor or somebody that kind of i mean like like these youngsters that you're taking out that kind of shows them the, the way like that's how big of a part does that play in in fly fishing in your mind well I, you know i think it's huge i think if somebody's willing to take some time and, and show you some things um if you're passionate about it you'll appreciate it and you'll 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 uh you'll enjoy it and, and you put your best foot forward. Um, but you know, now we, you've got so many resources too, you know, just online and YouTube and mm-hmm. how to tie flies and how to cast and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing what's out there, but, yeah. uh, it's another thing, you know, like to have a, a mentor that, and most of these guys, you know, it's not like they're, you know, professional athletes. So, uh, they'll, they'll yeah. type to you or, or text with you or whatever. Yeah, exactly. uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I think it's important. I want to put your uh, artist hat on for a second and and kind of sit back and think. You're not guiding right now. You're just going on your perfect trip. What does your perfect <laughs> trip look like? So not in the eyes of someone else, but um, walk us through your ideal day. Paint us a picture. Kind of where are you fishing? What type of water? What kind of species? Walk us through that. You know, it's it's funny. I, uh, I I really think that fall. Uh, I've only done it a few times. Uh, gone up for that fall fishery in Alaska for the rainbows. Um, uh, it's 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 a, an amazing uh, fishery. But you know, more times than not, I, I'm always ca- I'm kind of kind of like God. There's just so many great places. But one thing I think I enjoy to this day is is just getting up in high elevation in the mountains and kind of fishing the alpine uh, small creek or a small little pond or something. Um, mm-hmm. It's just something about that really great, sweet smell of pine trees at that at that altitude or something. And 
and it's just yeah. so crisp. And uh, I don't know. There's, I, I, I really think that's something I'll, that'll be my favorite way to just spend the day on my own, just doing my thing. Well, there's usually some beautiful little small fish that you probably, you know, they're like little gems, right? And then you're usually yeah. throwing a lighter line and yeah, no, I, yeah. I get that. That's I, I totally, for me, that's, that's like that Tom Sawyer thing or something. I, there's something very kind of <laughs> rudimentary about it that kind of takes you back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. That's, that's that whole experience in my mind and my, my senses. And when I, when I get up there and I smell it, I'm usually wearing a pair of boots and shorts and, you know, and just kind of ready for just the day. And, and there's just, that's so good. Just, yeah. just so this, like I said, I love that sweet smell of pine trees up that high too. It's just amazing. Yeah. And it's so, nice yeah, to get up, be it. up high when it's super hot too. And you know, that's, that sounds like an ideal summer trip. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to ask you a philosophical question and, uh, you might want to think about this one because it doesn't always come to mind right away, but is there something in your mind, Troy, that we should be doing better as fly fishers or maybe a little differently? Is there anything that kind of irks you with uh, the current state of affairs? Oh man. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's several, it's the, the lack of Olympic peninsula steelhead. Um, and we're not really making any progress uh, to, to, to really uh, let those rivers rebound uh, without pressure. And so it's like, it's just, it's, it's just set up. The law there is just set up so backwards. It's an amazing fisheries out there around forks and on the hoe and the sole duck and, and the bogus shield. But uh, the other thing I'm up, I'm involved in is uh, free the snake. And that's a, a group of people trying to get some of the dams just below Lewiston, Idaho, uh, mm-hmm. between there and Walla Walla, just trying to get a couple of those out. Um, and, um, I've done a lot of research on that. Um, there's more transportation of goods on the highway and trucks now, semi trucks, um, than ever. And, and the train tracks too, that have been there for like 60 years carry more than the barges. And so there's, wow. there's like one, there's one company up there in Lewiston barging goods. Um, and those dams don't produce electricity. There's, there's no irrigation up there. It's all dry land wheat. And so, you know, even the people in those towns are like, we'd love to have our rivers flowing again and, uh, have, uh, hmm. you know, some good tourism, that kind of stuff. And those those two things in general I think of really right now, but those two things seem to be always on my mind. Just how just how how backwards we are with that. It's just there's no there's no reason for it. But yeah, nothing's changed. Is there any if somebody wants to kind of get involved in that? Um, is there an email or a contact, or can they reach out to you? How do they uh, get involved in that? Yeah, they can reach out to me. My my information's on my website, which is grandronangler.com, uh, email and phone number. But there's another organization on Facebook and Instagram called Free the Snake, and they're doing some really good work and, and uh, you know, getting petitions signed and that kind of stuff. And uh, and they're they're getting a lot of good sponsorship lately, too. Um, but as far as the, 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 the peninsula, the Olympic Peninsula, that's a toughie. That's a, that's that's down in the governor's hands and and uh, fishing game uh, with the state of Washington. I guess that you know we we petition some of the fishing game officers and and whatnot and just try to get you know our two cents in there. But you right. know a lot of this too, we could be better organized as fly fishing guides. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, well, good stuff. It sounds like a couple, well, a couple causes near and dear to your heart for sure. So yeah, um, yeah. before we let you go, I want to make sure that if somebody wants to book a trip with you um, with Grand Ron Angler, uh, fly fishing all over the Pacific Northwest, whether they're chasing steelhead trout or maybe they want to take when things open up again, some bonefish or maybe a, a run yeah. at some salmon in Alaska. How do they get a hold of you? Where do we find you? Throw your dot com out there, your Instagram, any any handles you want to throw at us. Well, and I really appreciate that. And I, and I got to tell you, I, I appreciate being on your show and, and, uh, it's really been fun and I loved all your questions and, 
Uh, so this was a really great experience for me. I appreciate it. Well, let's do um, it again. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I need to get you on the Metal next summer. It's not. We'll do one of these in the boat. We'll pull over uh, yeah. under a shady tree and do one of these at lunch. You know what? That sounds pretty, pretty legit. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so th- yeah, throw out all your, uh, your info yeah. out there. Everything that I am and do is underneath Grand Ronde Angler, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or my website. Everything is grandrondeangler.com, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, just that's the one. Okay. And then things, right. so basically you could book right online. I was looking, you got your calendar, kind of pick your spots and uh, go yep. from there. Yep. You just uh, check out what kind of trip you want to do uh, and look at my calendar. And if there's no name on the on the uh, time frame that you want to go there, if there's no name on the day, uh, you just pick the day and, and uh, give me a deposit. We, we hold on to it and then we put your name on the calendar and... Um, it's been fun. I've I've had some new people this year that just had such great experiences, and they they've already booked for next year, and it's just it's just really good. I'm I'm really excited about that. The, the whole website's kind of finally come together for me, so that's it's great. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Well, a couple of older guys like us, sometimes it's hard with some of them. <laughs> I, I just happy anybody's listening to this podcast, or or I can find my own website. Yeah, that's funny. Good stuff, Troy. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time, man. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. We let's touch base in in uh, you know six months and kind of see where you're at. And I just got a funny feeling that with all these crazy times lately, things are going to open up. And when they do, and I've already yeah. seen it, people just want to get outdoors. And I think yeah. um, you know what you're doing for a living is going to be super busy, as are a lot of guides. Well, I, I appreciate that enthusiasm. Yeah, oh, it's coming. But I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right, too. But, yeah, hey, again, thank you again for having me on. Oh, anytime. It's like wading through those slippery <laughs> rocks on the Thompson, if you remember those. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> barely that's, 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 it's the worst. Those, they, uh, you know, they ski and they go, hey, this is double black diamond. And we always called runs up there like, this is double black diamond out there. You just don't... <laughs> You just don't wait out there like, you know, anywhere else you've fished. <laughs> no, it's, those are ankle breakers for sure. You've been listening to a chat tonight with Troy Detman of Grand Ron Angler. Check him out, Pacific Northwest, Washington State, out of uh, Paulsboro, Washington. Steelhead Trout, Bonefish Bass, Bay Clinic, Fly Tying Demos. Check him out. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.